Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, there's yet another fraud that has cost people hundreds of millions of dollars collectively, where you're promised a great return on your money. I'm going to tell you how this works. It is a common fraud that when you hear somebody pitch it, you should know to throw them out of your office or your home. And coming up yet later, under the new tax law, a lot of people are actually going to owe more tax when they go to file their tax return because the withholdings being taken out don't take enough tax. I'm going to tell you what to look out for to make sure you don't get hit with a surprise tax bill and possible penalties next year. Talk right now about click and collect. It is the fastest growing thing in groceries. It's where you go to the website of the supermarket you like to shop at and you fill out your basket, what you want to buy, and then at a time that you designate, and they'll give you windows, you go and pull up to a particular area, and in theory, your groceries are waiting for you, properly chilled, frozen, or fresh, all there. They load them in your car, and off you go. And this is something that has grown exponentially with Walmart doing the grocery pickup. You'll see when you go to a Walmart that has it now, it's clearly marked where you see where you go to pick up the groceries. And I was uh, at a Walmart two weeks ago that had the grocery pickup, and there were a line of cars waiting for their groceries. So at least at that Walmart, it's caught on. And Kroger has been steadily adding it. Whole Foods is like, wait, why did they all get to have all the fun? So Whole Foods for Prime members is rolling out city by city, having their click and collect service, again, only available to Prime members as a way to try to incentivize Prime members, people to become Prime members. And so it's starting in parts of California and Virginia, and then they will steadily add cities for the click and collect at Whole Foods. Now, Whole Foods, being Whole Foods, part of the experience, apparently, because I don't shop at Whole Foods, it's too expensive for me, but anyway, part of the experience and the few times I've been in there is it's like, um, I mean, it's a beautiful environment. It's It's like, it's almost theatrical when you're in Whole Foods. And I don't know if people will be happy with doing click and collect knowing that you're paying a zillion dollars to shop there and you're missing the theatrical performance of going around inside. So we'll see how that works. And they even have, if you want your groceries too quickly, it's not free to pick them up at the store because I guess somebody has to stop doing what they're doing to pick up the groceries. But if you give them what they consider to be a reasonable time to have your groceries together, which is a minimum of one hour, then from that point forward, whatever time you designate, 
is free. And so it's yet another way the supermarket industry is changing and the convenience factor for you and me is going to get better and better. Uh, And as I told you recently on home delivery of groceries, I believe that even though you might have to pay for home delivery, that your overall grocery bill will go down because you're not buying the impulse items that you would buy when you walk into a grocery store. Gordon is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gordon. How you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Gordon. You got a question for me about transportation? Yes, I do. I am now 74 years old, and I'm just wondering about, is it time to start leasing a car? I've always bought I like to drive them at least 10 years, but at 74 now, I mean, I'll be 84 before I, the next one wears out. I know you're against uh, leasing cars, but would it would it make sense to start leasing cars as opposed to... Well, unless your pattern is different than most people in their 70s, the number of miles you're driving per month has declined. Do you know how much driving you're typically doing in a month? I've got a, my car now is nine years old. I've got one hundred and ten thousand miles on, so I'm aver- I'm still averaging about eleven, twelve thousand miles a year. But eleven or twelve thousand, if you wanted to do a lease, that would work because you would have a vehicle that you would be able to ditch in a couple of years, uh, you know, two year, three year lease. Now the the difficulty of a lease is that. If you found yourself in a position where it didn't make sense for you to drive anymore, right? that you're still stuck paying on the lease. So I can suggest an alternative that I like better than you leasing or better than you buying a new car. And what is that? I'm going to give you a couple of them. One is something that's only really coming to life around the country this year, it's where you can subscribe to an automaker's cars and you can quit at any time. And you pay a monthly fee and it includes insurance and maintenance, everything on the vehicle other than gasoline. And so you're essentially renting transportation by the month. I got you. And so that is an alternative. But again, I think we're a little early at this point to look at that seriously but i think by next year that would be a serious alternative well, if i go to a dealer would they in the, and ask for that sub- subscription they're subscribing to a car would they know what i'm talking about probably not <laughs> it's not it's <laughs> it's not widespread enough but i want to mention the conventional answer i would give in your situation which is for you to buy a 3 year old car it could be one that someone's lease that they've turned in, but a three-year-old car gets you way down the depreciation curve, and so you've already had somebody else pay a lot of the initial cost of that vehicle, and right. it, and that way, if your ownership cycle turned out to be uh, one to three years, you're not really going to get hurt, but it turns out to be three to six years, you're way ahead of the game. Right. I got you. So that would be... At this point, that would probably be my first choice. But as soon as the monthly subscriptions become common, 
that would be the answer. And to give you an idea, these started with the luxury brands charging huge amounts of money per month, uh, potentially in the range of $800 to $2,000 a month, depending on how fancy a brand, $2,000 being like Porsche. And Hyundai's first effort at it is $250 a month that they're doing only in parts of California to test it out. But having a car by subscription, not necessarily a luxury car, is going to be something that fits so many people's situations. My brother who's retired, who has he and his wife have no permanent address. They just live wherever there's a deal. Having access to vehicle subscriptions is going to be an enormous help to them over time as that becomes a widespread practice. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. Hello. How are you? Great. Thank you, Andrew. You got a question for me about something that pops up on the Internet in big ways from time to time. What is that? Um, So I guess uh, it would be a way of using your credit line to pay off your mortgage. Um, so I guess the way they do it, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> the reason I'm calling you is to find out what you think of it, but they use their credit line to pay uh, principal-only payments, um, and then they put all of their income through the credit line, I guess, and pay all their expenses with the credit line. Now, this is something that first became very popular in Australia maybe 15 years ago. I got a lot of questions about doing one of these um, probably 10 years ago, and then they kind of faded Mm -hmm. into oblivion, and then this year I've started getting questions about it again. In general terms, let me tell you how these work. Right now, you're likely in a fixed-rate mortgage so many years into right. it, looking at paying off a mortgage, how many years from now, how many years are left on your mortgage? 25. And so the pitch for these things is that you will be able to pay off your mortgage instead of 25 remaining years, typically in four to eight years. Right. And how they pitch this to you is that you replace your mortgage with a home equity line of credit. And right. you, so I'm, I'm describing it right so far? Yes, yes. All right, and so what you do is as you get paid, your paychecks go against the outstanding balance on the home equity line. And right. as you pay for things, that your balance then has to go up again on what you borrowed. And right. the thinking is, well, instead of you having a classic mortgage at a fixed rate that you pay a set amount every month for all these years, you, by pouring your paychecks into this home equity line, you reduce the daily available balance, at least if you're a typical person getting paid a couple of times a month, twice a month you got a big shot of income coming in, reducing it. So Mm -hmm. let me tell you the downsides with it. Okay. Number one, at a time of rising interest rates, you're going from a fixed interest rate on your mortgage loan to a floating rate. Your fixed right. rate from five years ago is what? Uh, would be 
Uh, 3.8, I believe. You are absolutely positively not anyone who should go anywhere near this. Okay. Because your interest rate from pretty much the get-go would be higher and go up from here because you would be in a floating interest rate loan at a time interest rates are rising where you're in a fixed rate that locks in your interest cost for the entire remaining balance of the loan. And at a rate of 3.8, you don't want to rush to prepay. Right. And that's only the first problem. The second problem is if you stay single-mindedly focused just on paying off your mortgage, you miss a lot of other priorities in life, like making sure you're saving enough money for retirement, like making sure you're paying off other potential debts you might have with the mortgage debt being the least bad of the debts you have you don't want to put the single-minded focus simply on getting out of mortgage debt as quick as you can know that you are in a great position with the 3.8 percent loan leave it be most people are fine decent individuals but occasionally among us will be people who are absolute rotten, terrible sociopaths that may know the difference between right and wrong, but don't care. What I'm about to share with you in today's Clark Rageous Moment is how thousands of retirees have ended up having their retirement money wiped out in a rotten, terrible con game. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. This is like another in a series of ridiculously awful scams or Ponzi schemes that have preyed upon retirees who have been suffering in today's low interest rate environment, that they haven't been able to generate enough money on their savings and has made it tough for them to make a good go of it in retirement. They're then pitched by a broker or someone pretending to be a broker in many cases that they have an opportunity for you to be involved in some form of lending that will get you a big return on your money. The latest is a investigation going on jointly by federal and state investigators of an alleged Ponzi scheme that stole $300 million dollars from retirees by telling them that they were going to earn 10% on their money lending money to small businesses. Now, it looks like the only people who made any money out of this are the perpetrators and the brokers, both real and fake, who peddled these investments. I use that word poorly because they weren't really investments to unsuspecting retirees and the money has disappeared into the thin air. Think about that. You know, I know it's really, really hard when you're trying to get by on fixed income and it makes it so appealing when you hear a pitch from somebody how they've got this exotic way they're going to turn that measly maybe 2% you're earning on your money to 10. But now, instead of earning 2%, P 
people have no money. Please be very wary anytime somebody says to you, they have this great opportunity for you that's going to earn you a fantastic rate of return. If the most people are typically earning who are lending money to others is maybe 5% and they tell you you're going to earn 10 because they figured out some great way to do it, know that you're one step away from being wiped out. And just as I talk about this, I'm sure there's another scam like this being pitched right this second to retirees all over the country. Be careful. As we move into the back half of summer, there's something I need you to do to make sure in the doldrums of winter you don't face an oops. It's my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, is that what they call it now? Change the name of it. It used to be called, it was always called GAO, but it used to stand for something else. Anyway, the GAO has put out an alert to let you know that they've analyzed what money people are having withheld under the new tax law, and they've found that there's a big problem that roughly one in four of us aren't having enough tax withheld. A lot of people, because of the way the tax law works, even though it's a net positive for a lot of people with lower taxes, any of a number of people will end up possibly owing more tax under the new tax law than under the old one. And many of, many of us are in a position where we think, wow, our check's fatter, isn't this great? And then it'll come time to file your return next year, and you'll owe tax and maybe even penalties on top of it, depending on how much too little you've had withheld and paid in. So the IRS has put out a new simple-to-use computation tool that you can see at irs.gov that based on your individual situation, you'll be able to see what you should be withholding from your check. If you have a complicated tax situation, you want to ask the person who does your taxes, if you use a CPA who does tax, enrolled agent, whatever, and make sure you're not under withholding because you don't want to end up with under withholding penalties. And also the surprise of a tax bill coming your way. And again, this is roughly one in four taxpayers are withholding too little money from the paycheck. You know, I don't like for you to withhold a lot of excess money. I don't want you to make a tax-free loan to the government. But at the same time, I don't want you to underwithhold by a significant degree and end up with a problem where you're like, how in the world am I going to pay this tax bill? So we have a link for you at Clark.com to the IRS calculation table where you'll be able to calculate what you should have withheld from your taxes. And remember that if all year long you've been blissful about how much you've been getting in your net check, you may have to compensate for some of that with additional withheld 
beyond what you should have been withholding so that you don't end up with a, a big amount of tax due next year. So if you want to know what the typical person has to pay in in federal tax, typical earner, it's 12% federal tax. That does not include Social Security. As your income level moves up, it moves up in many different brackets to as high as 37%, but only people like producer Joel have to worry about that because you have to have earnings beyond 600000 this year, and, and that's about where you are, right? Yeah, that's, oh. the, that's the toughest part about making this much money, really, yeah, is the taxes. Yeah, well, you know, we laugh now. As methodical as you've been building your real estate portfolio, you're going to be there. Probably a good problem to have. Bruce is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bruce. Hey, hello, Clark. Uh, I'm a regular listener, and uh, a couple of shows ago, you mentioned you were going to be doing a test or a trial on a uh, a new cell phone, uh, Un- Unreal. That's cell- right. And I've been testing Unreal now. This is my fourth week, I guess. And so it's been uh, one mistake I made. They were selling this ultra-cheap cell phone for their network, and the uh-huh. phone I got is atrocious. It's horrible. But the service has been very reliable and dependable for me. And I've used every feature of the phone, and the phone service, and it's been great. It's called Unreal Mobile. Right. And for a light-volume user, your bill is $10 a month for unlimited talk, unlimited text, and one gig of data in a month. And probably around one-fourth of us use a cell phone, the data side, less than a gig a month. And uh, if you want to pay 15 a month and get more data, you get two gigs of data, and that would cover about half of cell phone users. Do their phones use SIM cards? Yeah, all uh, phones pretty much now have... A SIM card to them and the difference is this works on the backbone of CDMA which is the obsolete uh, cell technology that Verizon and Sprint use and so there's a little more complication with what phones you can use on it because it uses the obsolete CDMA you know the world standard is something called GSM Yes. and uh, Verizon and Sprint both made a big mistake uh, early on adopting what turned out to be a failed standard. So the that's why the phone part is more complicated, and they do a pretty good job explaining how you do the phone stuff on the unrealmobile.com site. So the phone that I should purchase from them, uh, is is it a uh, reconditioned phone, or is are they new? Usually because people who use Unreal Mobile are really cheap, so they're happy having a reconditioned phone. You also, because Sprint phones bring no money in the secondary market, you can go on eBay and uh, you just, when you go to the cell phone section, you just say you want a Sprint phone, and they are so cheap because Sprint has been a wounded brand, and so their phones go for like no money. I see. I see. Well, thank you so much for the information on your uh, 
on your trial there, Clark. I and, really appreciate all the all that you do for us consumers out here. Thank and you. Bruce, do you know that anytime I test something, I buy it. I won't accept any free sample or anything from anybody because if it was terrible, I would come on the air and tell you, this Unreal Mobile is the worst thing ever. And if they, somebody gives you it for free, it's harder for you to say that. So I bought the service and I bought the phone. Understood. Understood. Well, have a great day, and I hope your experience, if you choose to go with it, is as good as mine. A one Annex, there is no meaningful customer service with Unreal Mobile. But at that kind of price, well, <laughs> I guess that's what you pay for, right? And Susan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Susan. Hi. Susan. Long-time listener. I love your show. Well, it's great to have you here, and you have uh, some potential identity theft worries, I hear. I do. I've been getting these emails from various big banks. I don't know if it's the link inside the email that they want me to click so they can, you know, get in my computer, or if I've already been, uh, you know, identity thieved and they're using my identity at a bank. I don't know, but it's been several banks, emails from several different ones. So if it's from several different banks, uh, we can only speculate, and I'll tell you how to deal with this. If you open up one of the emails, the key is don't click on any attachments in an email. The attachment right. is where you're going to get the virus or whatever other chaos would come your way. So if, right. if you open one of the emails, does it pretend that you're a customer of that bank? Yes. It says, uh, it doesn't even say my name. It'll just say, we're trying to verify your account. You need to click this link. Ah, and perfect, perfect. Information. You, you told me exactly <laughs> what I need to know. That is a phishing scam. And uh-huh. so, so you just delete those. Because what I was first worried about is that maybe you were a victim of identity theft and somebody was opening accounts as if they were you. But that's what's known as a pretext. That's a, that's a fake email looking like it's an official correspondence coming to you from whatever bank it is that each of these are from. And they're just on what's known as a phishing expedition that has a couple of different forms. One is where when you click on that link, it would it would dump a, potentially a series of viruses on your computer. The other is where what they try to do is get you to think there's an account that's opened in your name, and they have you contact them, and they say, well, uh, what's your social security number? What's your this? What's your that? And then they have the information needed to do full-blown identity theft. But more often than not, it will be the first, not the second that they're trying to get you to click on a link and load a virus. Have you clicked on any of them? No, because I've been listening to you for years, so I delete them. You're, you're doing exactly the right thing. Can I make another suggestion to you? Is mm-hmm. Are you running a PC or a Mac, or are you running a, a Chromebook? A Mac, and I'm usually uh, Safari, and I use the Mac Mail app. Okay, and are you running any virus on that Mac? 
Yes. It, I don't recall the name of the program, but I do have um, something on there. I'm All not right. in front of it right now. So, so it just as long as you're running antivirus, that will not provide ironclad protection, but it's a, a layer of protection you should do. And oh, I can't even begin to tell you what a help you've been to others, Susan, just by bringing this up, because you've warned other people away from clicking and opening any attachments to these fake bank emails. Is it that my address, my email address, is just all over the place now? Because I No, like no, I they, they send these uh, blind to millions and millions of addresses. A lot of them will bounce back to them, but they're doing all kinds of combinations sending these out just hoping they hit somebody since they don't even know your name it's just a uh, a blind hit not one that they've really thought through or done any deep digging so it's not like they were specifically targeting you they're targeting everybody julianne is with us on the clark howard show julianne uh, you had a late pay that is twisting your credit knots huh well, I think so. Uh, here's what's going on. Uh, my husband and myself, we had one late payment a year ago. And then um, our credit scores have always been in the 800s. But due to the late payment, we lost some points on our score. Now, a year later, we are at 745, husband, and I'm about 788, 790, which is good. So my question is, do loan companies, do they just look at the scores only, or do they actually read the report and get in there and see that? That one late a- payment will not affect you at all at this point. You know, when you have a credit score in the 800s, that's when a single late payment will have the most severe impact, yes. typically with a drop of more than 100 points. That is correct. But what's crazy, but see what's crazy when you have a credit score in the 800s and you drop initially typically to the low 700s, you're yeah. still considered to be a fantastic credit risk. Okay. And when it's a one off, when it's just one late payment, the uh-huh. harm to you passes pretty quickly. If you're already back, you said at 780. I'm about 788, and I'm getting all this off of Credit Karma. Yeah, so I'm you're about fine 788, now. 788, 790, and then my, but, okay. Now, the second part of this question is that my husband and I have the same accounts, and uh, our credit scores are not the same uh, on Credit Karma. He's at 745, and I'm like 30-some points higher. And we well, that's because the, the credit bureaus know women are smarter than men. That's what I thought. <laughs> now, actually, there may be, there should be some difference if you put both of your credit reports next to each other. Uh-huh. The most logical explanation is there would be some difference in the information reported on his versus yours. Otherwise, it's just a shrug of the shoulders because both of you have such great credit scores. You are A-OK. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget. 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sean. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Great. Thank you, Sean. You have a question about time and technology marching on. Yes, I do. I have hundreds of CDs that I have collected over the years, and I have uh, saved most of them on different hard drives and, uh, and different music services in the cloud, and I no longer need the CDs, the actual physical CDs any longer. And I wanted to see if there's a good way to go ahead and either sell them uh, for top dollar. Well, if you want top dollar, you're going to have a part-time job. Because when this has come up before, the key to selling music collections, either old vinyl or things that are on compact disc, is to sell them as individual items on eBay. And it's a lot of work. Right. I mean, you think about having to list, ship to all those individuals and all that, that is really, really hard to do. And do you have do you have one of the key things if you sell on eBay, do you have the album art? Do you have the cases? Oh yes. Yep. Okay. They're all in great shape. All right. So that's very important to sell to people that are really into it and want to collect a particular musician's CDs much more than uh, wanting to have uh, a bulk of hundreds of them. If you go to if there's a store near you that has that sells CDs and vinyl, they come up with their inventory from people like you who come in with their whole collections. You will not get top dollar that way, but it will be easy. All right. Well, and, I guess there's something to be said for convenience over uh, top dollar. And there's one other that I've mentioned before. I'll mention again, Declutter, which okay. is spelled funny. I don't know if you've been to that website. I have. Okay. So that would that's the one that a lot of people do as a go-to. What was your feeling or experience with declutter? Well, uh, there were a few that I put on there. Most of them were around a quarter to 20 cents, somewhere around there per CD. So I was a little disappointed in some of them. Yeah, but, so if, uh, you, if you've got stuff that is sought after, mm-hmm. if you go through your collection, you have some things that you think people would really want to have that are older bands that were very popular... Mm-hmm. then you might experiment listing some of those on eBay. Great. Now I'll, I'll tr- give it a try. See what other people are selling for there, and then maybe that would generate a lot more than a quarter for you for that CD. Man, things have changed. Remember when CDs were like 20 to 25 bucks? You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews.